Today I would like you to comment on a couple of verses in 1 Timothy 5. Dramatic pause as he loads up his Bible. Yeah, 1 Timothy 5. Okay. Starting right out of the beginning. It's a good place to start. Rebuke not an elder. Yeah. But entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren. Okay. Uh, let's just unpack that a little bit. What rebuke is this when you like charge somebody? Is that what a rebuke is? It's an uncomfortable thing. It's a harsh word. That would be harsh speech. Harsh speech. Yeah. Like to speak against. Yeah. It's a harsh, harsh form of talking. So, but entreating is kind of like the opposite of that, but you're still getting at the same thing. To entreat him. It's kind of like the harshness is off, but the conversation is the same. Is that what that means? This is an old. This is conduct with an older man. This doesn't have to do with the office in the church. It's a presbytery, right? Yeah, this is presbyteros. This older. Look, take it in context all the way through the second verse, which we didn't read. Actually, yeah, the elder women, the third verse, even the widow, right? Younger as sisters with all purity. Younger women, elder women as mothers. Rebuke not an older man. Let's read it that way, and we'll come to understand that he's being taught how to be a young man mm-hmm. and how to not be, you know, but gracious in, in the assembly. Excuse me? But entreat him. Entreat but him. entreat him. Instead, entreat him as you would your father. So this is assuming that this older man needs correction or something, right? He needs to be approached with some sort of problem or... yeah. No, you want to approach this old man, don't come approaching him with sharp language. Instead, it's funny, it says, entreat him as a father, and that means you're supposed to know that. But today, we're living in this fatherless culture where people go like, well, what's that? What's that, yeah. How do I treat my father? Well, you treat your father that if you say the wrong thing, you're going to get whopped. Right. Respectfully. Carefully and respectfully. Reverently. Exactly. Carefully. You had to entreat your father, didn't you? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. You mean to approach my dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was pretty careful about that, yeah. I did a lot. of. I mean, my dad was easy to reach. What can I say? My dad, it's been a long time. I've only lived half my life with my dad, almost exactly. No, not quite. A couple years, and I'll have lived half my life with my dad, half my life without my dad, which... It's sad. So you were how old when he died? 36. Younger than me. But you had a good relationship with him. and you. I had a great relationship with my father. My father would make me cry because he was tender with me. Mm. Um, and it was deep with him and, mm-hmm. and me. But n- not too often. But yeah, I mean, when I spoke to him, actually, I only remember yelling at my dad once. And that was I yelled the scriptures at him. Uh, he he told me I could come to his house, but don't bring the Bible anymore. And I just yelled at him. I just said, "What, what is wrong with you? So my whole life has changed around. I'm on the right course. You know that. It's because of the scriptures that, that this is how it happened to me. I'm trying to get him through to you. you know it's true. And that day we had a revolution go on in my dad's life. Hmm. Yeah. That border up on rebuke. <laughs> in that case, I never spoke. Yeah, I, I mean, well, yelling at him. Yes, yeah, I never, I've, I never spoke to my father like that. Um, I will say that it was really good that it was about the truth, and it wasn't when I was just being some jackass like I was most of my life. Yeah, well, it meant something. 
I resisted my father one time physically when he uh, wanted to handle me, and he did put me through a window. He pushed my head right through a window. He was going to throw me outside. I mean, I was hanging out mm. the kitchen window. It was a wrong thing. Don't make that mistake twice. I know. I was about 16. You know, I thought, well, I'm pretty tough. <laughs> you know, I've been doing weightlifting. Not that tough. Huh? Old man strength is the real thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine trying to whoop your dad, you know, when you're 16? How crazy. But, uh, yeah, I got out of, I, you know, I had my, uh, all I did was resist. I mean, I didn't, like, attack him. I resisted mm-hmm. <laughs> with force. It's funny. My son did that to me one time. Did you show him what for? Oh, my goodness. Your father-in-law had to pull me off. Wish I would have been there for that one. I lo- no, I lost my temper. That was wrong. Mm. But it was old man's strength. So, um, so treat an elder not, you know, don't, like, a fa- like you know, your father. Yeah, as, as, as men, we punch and slap, and it's what we do. And even when the days of your smacking around are over, you still, you still with your mouth have that same associated aggression. I mean— like antagonism, or what do you mean? Yeah, we turn it into humor usually, but we're edgy. Guys are edgy. Guys invade each other's space. Women don't quite do, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, and they don't get along. But we invade each other's space, and then we get along there. You know, we we jostle and we tussle. And if I mean, if I can't do that with a guy in some way, you know, it's kind of a kidding around, roughing around. I mean, we contend with each other. Yeah, it. But it's it's that fellowship of it has to be toned. So when you learn to to speak to an older man correctly, then you enjoy the great fellowship with him. He's got stuff. Yeah. And every old guy's got stuff. That might be the proper application of iron on iron because a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Yeah. It's really about your temper, your your attitude, the right. way you feel. And that's the the sharpening. Have you ever held an old time file, uh, like maybe an old time rat tail file that does? It's a do it all file. A do it all file. Yeah, uh, you, you you flip it over. It's got like a rough. He's turn over. It's got the real smooth edge. It's got the rat tail on. I it. have one kind of like I don't know what the rat tail is, but I have one that has like real fine grain and then like the thicker stuff, the rougher stuff. Yeah, and even yeah. even on a bigger one of those, you've got the real heavy grate. Yeah. On the back of it or, you know. And okay, I know what you're talking about. So that you can handle that with a varying degree of abrasion, right? Right. Sometimes you need the... Sometimes you need the smooth one. Right. And other times you need the big... Sometimes you one. need, you know, so when you're dealing with your young whippersnapper, you know, you're dealing with your 15-year-old kid, or even you're dealing with Wesley, right? He's seven? Wesley? Yeah, eight. Wesley is Ten, 11. 11. <laughs> what am I thinking? <laughs> Thing, I was thinking, I'm sorry, in my mind was Ezra, okay. and I was saying Wesley. Fair enough. But, okay, well, you're dealing with Wesley. Let's, let's leave it at Wesley, 11 years old. He tries to be chill, you know, He and he can. Wesley's chill. Yeah. You can put him in the car with you, and he's a good companion, nice to be around and everything. But then he can just get out of bounds. And you just slap him with your tongue, right? Knock it right. off, Wesley. Shut it up, or I'm going to whip you. Yeah, you know. But you would never say such a thing like that to an older man, right? Right. So that's why I used the file analogy, right? And approach that older man, ready to receive more than you're going to give. You have something to say to the old man, but he's reticent to talk to you. He's going to be. He's reticent to talk to you. Why? Just the old guys don't do that. Talk to each other, right? They don't uh, want to talk to the youngsters. Nah. <laughs> 
<laughs> what about you? You seem to enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're the like, exception. Like the young fellas. Uh, why is that? Coaching, I think. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, pastoring is coaching. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's where my work is, you know. I work better with a fully developed adult mind because I do the work with the children. I understand better, you know, where I make my contribution. And with the children, it's just being a grandpa with them. Mm-hmm. You know, we're studying the scriptures, we're acting it out, and everything. And I, the kids are, I think they're enjoying it. Uh, it's geared to the younger kids, but I can direct that because of my, because I'm grandpa and I'm that age and everything. And I just sure. get away with it all. I uh, wouldn't be able to do that, you know, at your age, even with those age kids. Mm-hmm. It just they wouldn't relate that way. Um, so being an older man now, I guess maybe I get this from the other side better. Some young guy approaches me wrong. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not going to listen to him. Sure. Get on my face. That brings me to you. The other verse I wanted to look at, which is verse 19. Okay. Which is another way to you know, relate to an elder. And you said that maybe he'll have more to say to you than you're going to actually have to say to him. Yeah, that's very likely. And then it says, against an elder, receive not an accusation. Now, this seems like an accusation that somebody's accusing an elder, but they're coming to you with the accusation. I want some help understanding this. But then Well, says, I, you know, I know it's the same word. Uh, but you know the word has broad context. You you do understand presbyteros is sometimes in place of the elder. Yeah. Um, as an office, and this one because we've just gotten on the context of nineteen is the ox threshing. So we're talking about the one working. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about that working guy. You know, any healthy church, right? If you walk into any healthy assembly, you should see the older men being the presiding force. It's an awful thing today to walk into a congregation that hired a 36-year-old, how old are you? 38. A 38-year-old senior pastor, and uh, all the presiding influence in the church is from him and his cronies. Wrong. Really wrong. And a lot of times you have a movement against the older people. we got to change things around here. Yeah. No, you don't. No, you don't. Right away, schism, you know, bango, schism. This is going to be a schism. And it is a schism. They hive off. They, you know, got, they get lost in doctrine because they never knew it in the first place. It's awful. And it goes on all over. The, it's going on in our city. That's the name of it, uh, Christianity in our city. So to have a proper assembly, you have to. And, and here's the thing, you know, you know, Jared. When people come into your assembly, they're supposed to fall, you know, it, it, Paul says, they're supposed to fall on their face and realize God's among you. That's what's supposed to happen. Huh. It's supposed to be a reverent, you know, it's supposed to be a remarkable gathering. And the speech of the young teaching man, you know, guys like you, Jerry, the speech and the way that you conduct yourself among the older people, because it's, I've never seen a church where there's been a healthy ongoing fellowship relationship between the younger men and the older men. I haven't seen it in any church I've been in. Uh, we now have, you know, in our church now, we have, you know, plenty of older men, plenty of younger men. That's what this scripture is about. Then it leads in, you know, that's what that fir- former scripture is about. Right. Then it leads into the teaching, right? And yeah. now he's telling you, okay, look, there's going to be somebody here who's working the ox. Don't, Muzzle him. What does that mean? Shut him up. 
Don't shut him up. Or stop him. Don't keep the money away from him. Give him the money. Mm-hmm. Hey, labor is worthy of his reward. You're going to be in a place of influence in the assembly. You're, you're Timothy. You're talking to Paul. Everybody turns to you. What's Paul think? What do you think? You know, you're the one to learn from Paul. What are we supposed to do this? What are we supposed to do that? So they're all turned to him. Now, there shouldn't be that Timothy. You know, people all want to, you know, I have a Timothy. I'm going to be a Timothy. No, don't be a Timothy. Timothy was Timothy. He talked to the apostle Paul. You're not Timothy. We don't need you to be Timothy. Right, be yourself. Only Timothy to be Timothy, right? And we take the instruction that he's given. So this is now the teaching guy. First of all, make sure he gets money. Make sure he's taken care of. Money's flowing around the church. You're involved. You know about it. Make sure you use your influence to deliver money to the guy who's working because it's costing him a lot to do it, whether you see it or not. All right. Now, against that guy, don't. Receive an accusation. Don't listen to it. So he says, don't receive. Don't so entertain someone's it. someone's going to accuse that guy. Huh? Someone's going to be accusing that guy. Anybody who comes accusing that guy to you all by himself is, is a, by definition, a liar until proven true. Because the mouths of two or three witnesses. That's what it says next. Well, it's, and that's the biblical standard. before two or three witnesses. Yeah, that's the legal standard, the biblical standard. Right. And even our legal, well, of course, it bleeds into our legal system, but that's the biblical standards, two or three witnesses. So somebody who's legitimately coming, right, is not going to come to you with an accusation all by himself. That's a backbiter. The guy who, who's legitimately going to come, you're not even supposed to listen. The guy who legitimately comes to you with somebody else. Let me ask you a quick logistical question. Let's say that I'm this guy. Yeah, who has an accusation. How do I collect my two or three witnesses if I can't go to anybody without witnesses? Like you're the ac- you're the accuser. Let's say I'm the accuser. You have the accusation. Yeah. You like, go. Hey, are my witnesses going to be like people that agree with me? Basically, no, no. You don't tell them the story. You just bring them with you. So you just you just have to do it in front of people. One or two. Right. Yeah. Just let or two uh, or three. Two or three. Yeah. Well, you're one. Okay. In, a, in, I can't in the mouth of two or three witnesses, so you bring one or two. Okay. So right. I can be one of my own. I can't witness for myself, right? Well, you're a witness. If your witness is alone, it's false. You're not witnessing for yourself. You're making an accusation. That accusation isn't necessarily for yourself. Okay. You know, so you might be saying, to... hey, he parked in a handicapped spot. Right. So I want to go accuse him of parking in the handicapped spot. So you go, hey, Jim, come with me here. Right. You don't tell Jim anything about handicapped spots. And say, well, Jim, uh, Joe, uh, Jim, I brought you because... Uh, Joe here is parking in the handicap spot. Gotcha. So get it. So Joe says, "No, it. I'm not. That's not my car, Jared. That's your car. Remember, I sold you that car." Now, are, is this in the case that he's talking about here? Am I bringing the accusation to Joe, who's the accused, or am I bringing it to Timothy? Because, like, isn't it saying against an uh, elder received not an accusation? Anybody in the position of influence and authority in the church shouldn't do that, right? You're going to receive accusations against others and hear about things. You're going to. But against that guy? Uh-uh. Why? Because he needs the protection. So he needs the money, and he needs the protection. And you're supposed to deliver both. You're supposed to say, hey, wait a minute, you know. I don't want to hear, you know, I don't want to hear about how that guy, you know, belches at dinner. You know. Right. If, if, if you want to say something about that fella, you, you, you know, come with another one because you might be a false accuser and then there's two of us to witness you. I mean, that's there. It's not stated. But the idea is to brush off 
a whole number and rash of criticisms, accusations, machinations. Gotcha. Uh, and, and to keep it open. And if anybody wants to make an accusation, it needs to be open in front of multiple people. Exactly. Okay. So that when the argument comes up, he said, she said, you brought a witness, and he said, he knows what he said. Yeah. See? So if somebody brings, brings you privately an accusation against an elder, you should say, look, I'm not going to hear this. You got to bring it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or you might say, hey, Jim, come over here and listen to this with me. Well, maybe you bring the witness that, you know, you could. Fair enough. Uh, I do that. I mean, there are guys that if they come talk to me, I want somebody with me. Okay. I, I, there's one guy in, in uh, around our church. I would say in and around that I would not speak to without a witness. So the idea of having a witness is, you know, and a lot of people you bring a witness and then they won't say anything. Yeah, exactly. That happened to me one time. I was teaching Hebrews chapter three, and after I was teaching the truth, yeah, um, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, you know, watch out or you lose your franchise. That's what I taught. And one guy got really upset. And he came charging up, and he started, I said, whoa, 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 wait, 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 before you say anything, brothers, you brothers over there, come here, this guy's got something to say. And he wouldn't say anything. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting feisty thinking about that. <laughs> so that makes a lot of sense. Now take me to verse 20 now, and we'll finish right there. Them that sin rebuke before all. Okay, so now, now who's the them now? That's the same. The elders. Now, now, yes, now we've talked about, we're, we're, we're talking about kind of a judicial process that's taking place. All right. The two witnesses have come. It's a serious accusation. You know, it's not about burping at dinner. It's right. not about parking in the handicapped spot. Something that needs to be discussed. Something. Now we rebuke an elder, right? N- now you rebuke him. You, get, you deliver the rebuke. And you, and you have to do it publicly. Now, this, I think, assumes, presumes, I'm pretty sure this presumes an unrepentant. Because what he's doing now is he's saying, I told you not to rebuke an elder. Now I'm telling you to do it. So does this assume that you've already entreated him as a father? Yes. You've approached him privately? Two witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. I think it assumes that... It's Cause failed. Because it, it would be kind of contradictory if you didn't do that first, because we're told to entreat him as a father. Yeah, right? and it's also contradictory if you've actually done that and it succeeded. You know, we look back at Matthew 18 where things get resolved. Right. No, I don't think then. You know, what, what's the point? Well, then you drop it. You drop it. Yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Now, let's say the issue here is the guy stole 10000 bucks, And, okay. you know, he did. Okay. He, and he even admits it. Yeah, I. So I, you've gone to him privately with a couple of people. Yeah, a couple said, of people. Listen. Well, you know, uh, so it's Joe. Joe stole. Joe stole uh, uh, ten thousand dollars, and uh, Jared. He stole it from Jared. Actually, it was Jared. Okay. Jared's the accuser. So Jared. Jared brings Jim, and says, uh, "Jim, Joe, <laughs> Jared, uh, ten grand." Yeah. And Joe says, "Yeah, I did. I took it. I took it, Jim." Jared, Jared, I'm sorry. Uh, I want to pay you back. I want to pay you back more than I stole. Uh, we arrange payments. I give you the first payment. What's the point, right? Yeah. Now you've won him back. Now you've won him back. Now you've done what you did. Now you forgive him. So, so yeah. So, so an older man, you got two ways of dealing, right? The one is always your approach should be that smooth side of the because you're trying to win a person. Mm-hmm. You can win a young man with a, with a sharp word. 
I think about how you talk to young guys. You know, if you're a little older, and let's say you're on a ball team, you just tell like, take a lap. Right. You know, drop down and give me tempo. I mean, what in the world? <laughs> right? Yeah. Think about Well, you pull rank. And just think about that in terms of human Interactions. Interactions. Yeah. You can't just go out and pull rank on any people at all. Well, you have and, to have and, rank. <laughs> and like you don't have any rank with an older guy. Exactly. Okay, so. But I think the judicial process here is an important thing to think about. So let's go to the judicial side. Let's say that Jim says, ah, go pound sand, you know. Yeah, pound sand, Jared. That, that's, a way, that's my money. I'm keeping it. Now I go before the church. You and Jim. The two of us go and say, look, Joe. Stole 10 grand. Right. And it says others also may fear. What's. What's that about? Is that like, hey, look, being an elder is a serious thing, and this guy is in unrepentant sin, and he's being rebuked before everybody. Yeah, and that's socially, you know, horrible. Right. So it's kind of like a cleansing thing. Or a preventative measure. Is it cathartic? It's more disciplinary? I guess if you say that's cathartic. But, you know, you've got this rascal, right? The church, okay, the assembly has to be a place where rascals cannot thrive. Okay, the assembly has to be a place where Bad behavior is corrected. It can be corrected privately. It, it should be always in great, you know, graciously, privately, slowly apply, you know, any of those kind of things. But, you know, maybe, you know, if it's a younger guy, you know, you might have some guy scouting out the chicks, right? Sure. Yeah. I told a young man, I guess it's been four weeks ago, I said, uh, nice to meet you. I hope you're not somebody that wants to come in here, grab one of my granddaughters, and take her out of this assembly. That would be awful. I've seen that happen. He said, yes, sir, that would be, that would be bad. <laughs> what else is he going to say? Well, see, you can't talk that way to an older guy. Right. But to a younger man, yes, I could. Even I didn't know him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would, too. I mean, right? Young kid comes in my classroom, sit up straight, be quiet. You know, I would never say that to an older guy, right? right. He's slouching around. He's yapping during this during the meeting. I leave him alone. I mean, if I have some older guy, you know, talking talking to his wife while I'm speaking and slouching in his chair, you think I'm going to tell him to sit up and be quiet? Of course not. Why? He's an older man. Well, at your age, you might. Even <laughs> even even my age, I my mates, I well, I guess I did rebuke a guy on the phone the other day. I mean, he. It was all over my case, and I told him, do I get my chance in the pulpit, or is it just you today? <laughs> I said, you can't talk to me like that. Well, he did talk to me like that. So he was rebuking an older man, but he was older than me by like, mm, I think, 18 months. Mm. Peers. Those don't matter, yeah. And, I mean, among, among, among my old college mates and my high school mates and, and, and even the, the, men, the mates at church and, 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 and they're in the assembly, um, I don't have any fatherlies, you know, but there's heavy, heavy on the brotherly there. It's uh, uh, I tell I tell my mates we need to be kind to each other, and we need you know we need we need to be good to each other because you know there ain't that much time left. <laughs> 